on the men's side and let the field know, get ready, 2023 is all about me. Carol Bouchard, you go first. Oh, or go, Huna. No, don't say it. It's my answer again. <laughs> me no. too. I'm sorry. And welcome to this very special year-end edition of Match Points here on TennisMajors.com, where we debate and discuss the biggest storylines in tennis. And of course, this year, it's holiday time, end of the year. We'll debate a little bit, but we'll celebrate the year that was, 2022. A remarkable year in many ways, one that will be unforgettable for many legacies as well. Look at our panel once again, the esteemed panel of Match Points here on TennisMajors.com. She is Marianne Bartoli. She is Carol Bouchard, and he is Mr. Simon Campbell. Without further ado, let's get right at it, panel. I'll ask you a question. We'll go first on the men's side, and then we'll circle back on the women's side. To you, who was the best surprise of the year 2022 in tennis? Carol Bouchard, let's begin with you. Well, on the men's side, I would say Casper Ruhn. Because honestly, I didn't, I wasn't expecting the guy to make the final of two Grand Slams this year, and to be so confident in the way he was achieving all those goals and calm about it. I think we discovered a potential star that we didn't know was going to be that big. In Norway, it's crazy the impact he's having already, and so I, I like the way he's carrying himself out there. And no, I, I was really surprised in the best way by by Casper, not on clay because we knew, but seeing him, you know, the US Open, then. The finals, indoor, I'm like, okay, I respect that. All right, we'll stay on the men's side, and we'll go to Simon Cambers. Best surprise for you in 2022 was whom? I would say that Nick Kyrgios made a Grand Slam final. Um, you know, obviously his talent's unquestioned. We've, we know how good he can be. But to see him actually put his head down and start to play some really good, impressive tennis, but keep, it, keep himself together at the top level and get all the way to a final and play well in it, um, was was really good to see. And I really like the fact that he then carried on playing well for the short time that he did play uh, in the rest of the year. And he, and he kept it going. So I would love to see more of that in 2023. Yeah, and I think the great part of his surprise was that we knew he was always capable. We were um, pleasantly surprised that now he was living up to that potential. Marian Bartoli, best surprise in 2022 on the men's side of tennis. Well, Carol, to my answer, but I, I would stay with the same Casper uh, for sure. Clay, exactly. Like she said, uh, we sort of knew he could be there, but even though you knew you can do something, it's nothing to achieve it, uh, definitely. But then to back it up with the US Open final, when you know for the first time when you have reached a Grand Slam final and you end up not succeeding, lifting the trophy, even though he lost to Rafa, you know, there is a little time that you need to recover from that loss. And, and to see him recovering so fast and get to the final of the US Open and get to the final of the, of the final eight against Novak was really to me surprising. I actually, to come back to Carol's point, been to Norway with the kids I'm coaching to play a U14 international event in Oslo. He was everywhere. But what I'm telling you, everywhere, he was just a poster man everywhere. And the impact he had on the number of kids starting to take a racket or starting to go and compete. I was talking to one of the person there from the Norway Federation saying, well, we always had to used to have some kids playing tennis, but the competition level was just very low. They were just not going into competition. They were just only playing tennis for fun. And now to see Casper putting Norway on the map in such a big way um, as really giving that inspiration, which is so great to see once again, I think we are craving for those new countries to come in and show players 
we're waiting from them from Africa as well. We have obviously Ange Jabeur, we, we, I'm sure come back to that point later on. But I, I just, as a lover of tennis, as a lover of the sport, I'm just so glad to see another country that maybe in five or 10 years time, we will see more kids coming from that region. And many great surprises as well this past year on the women's side. And since Carol stole Marianne's answer on the men's side, <laughs> We're going to let Marianne steal Carol's answer this time. <laughs> Payback, fair game. Marianne, best surprise on the women's side was whom? Jessica Pegura. I never thought Jessica will get to the top five that soon. Um, so funny enough, again, I was with Elena Ostapenko in 2021 in Doha and Dubai swing, and she played against Jess. And I was like, well, you know, she's, she's not doing anything like crazy on the court. You couldn't say, well, she's serving like Serena or she hit the ball like Sabalenka. So... For me, it was very much a matchup that um, Yelena could have won. And she just get, you know, beaten in two sets. The match is getting down in, what, an hour and a half or so. And I'm like, just that girl doesn't have a weakness. You know, she just get the ball nicely into the center of the racket, forehand and backhand, moves well. Okay, her serve is not huge, but it's not that easy to either win her every single time on the return. Next year, she's arriving, winning a lot in singles and doubles. It's so hard to qualify for the championship in singles. It's another task to do with singles and doubles. And for me, she was the biggest surprise. It's such a nice way. And you got to give a lot of credit to David Witt because yeah. um, so that project has been year. remarkable in its development. Cara Bouchard, um, did Marianne steal your answer? <laughs> not this time, not this time. No, I, have, I have a weird answer okay. to that because I'm going to answer Igas Fiontek. I know that sounds weird, but... I knew she could be, you know, world number one and winning one, one Grand Slam title, but the way she just went to the top and be like, you know what? I enjoy dominating that too, and I'm going to keep doing it. 37 matches in a row, especially after an era of, you know, we had Osaka having, I mean, struggling with the pressure of being number one. We were hearing that it was too difficult to dominate the game and it was too much pressure. And, and Swiatek just did it with such an ease. And like, it's my spot. I'm going to keep it and just deal with it and having fun with it. So for me, it was a big surprise to see someone like this being able to dominate the whole year, basically, and owning it, being like, I'm going to be the boss out there and you have to just come after me. If you cannot, I'll keep winning. And it's been a long time that we had somebody like this. So for me, it was a surprise, not from the game, you know, which she was going to be, but the attitude and it was a nice surprise. Simon Cameras, do you disagree with either of the two that precede you? You wouldn't, wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare. But the... Uh... The thing is, I, I I would agree with both those answers, but I will go for Caroline Garcia um, because I think, you know, we've all seen her talent again, you know, from a young age and, and she's had her highs and lots of lows. No one really, I don't think too many people expected her to come back the way she did this year and uh, to play the way she did in the US hardcourt season and then to finish the year strongly and, you know, finishing number four. I love the way she seemed to get her mentality right. She stands way inside the baseline to return serve. Goes Reminds for me somebody. Her serve seems to have <laughs> sorted itself out. Exactly, yeah. Who's that? I wonder. Absolutely. That's it. She, she just completely goes for it. And she has cleared her mind, or she had cleared her mind for those, those few months. And, I, and I, I would love to think that it will continue next year because she is capable of winning something big if she can string it all together 
for one uh, Grand Slam. If we had a bonus, it would be... I, I feel bad because there's Ange Jabeur that also could have been picked, but the thing is, she's so talented. And it's been years of her telling her, sure, she can do it. And now she does it, and it's like, of course she did it. But it's, it was also massive, massive performance. All right, since it's the end of the year and the holiday season, just as Santa has the naughty and nice list, we did the best surprises. Um, not necessarily naughty, but who for you was the biggest disappointment this year? Really, you were disappointed in how their 2022 uh, year season went. And, and let's begin this time on the women's side. And Simon, let's begin with you. Naomi Osaka. I mean, hands down, the, the most disappointing year of any of the top players. And obviously for a lot of different reasons. Um and not just to do with tennis, but I, you know, when we saw that she got to the final in Miami, I thought, well, okay, look, she she's playing some good tennis. She she had a disappointing Australian Open in some ways, but she also played some good tennis. But then she played well in Miami, and then after that, she barely won another match. And I just don't see the well at the moment. She's not enjoying her tennis, and she needs to find a way to do that and to get back on track. Um, but because it, it's hard to see somebody of her talent four Grand Slams in the bag already, um, not enjoying herself on the court and not playing the way that uh, we know she can. So for me, she's been the biggest disappointment. Biggest disappointment on the women's side for you personally uh, this past year, Marianne, would be whom? Um, again, Simon, I took my answer, but I will actually... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I was actually hesitating. You go first next time. No, to be fair, I was hesitating between Naomi, but I think... You can't really put that on the disappointment side because it's so much due to her mental state and, and everything she feels outside of the court. But for me, Barbara Krejcikova was one of the biggest disappointments. Uh, after winning wrong hours in singles and doubles, something that so rarely has been done. I think the last player was Mary Pierce, if I'm not mistaken. And then to see her the next year just not even qualifying for the championship in singles. Of course, she still went on in doubles, but... You know, that means you're not in the top eight when you won a Grand Slam the year before, especially in the way she did it. Um, was really a little bit disappointing. And her, if you look at her Grand Slam performance over the four Grand Slam of the past year, it's just not been there, you know, in singles. And um, and I was expecting her maybe not to win another one, but at least to get to one or two finals, almost to do what Anse did, uh, Anse Jabeur did, get one or two finals because I thought she had the game, especially for Grass. Uh, but just, yeah, she was just not there. Carol Bouchard, I know you want to agree with uh, Naomi Osaka, but is there anyone else that you um, felt really disappointed us? No, I was hesitating between Naomi and actually Garbinier Muguruza because I'm like, Garbinier, what happened? But I know she had a, a shoulder injury. And, but the thing is, I think maybe it's not the same situation, but it's tough for people to, to understand the players' struggles when all they see maybe in the social media or the media, it's them in vacation having fun, or Naomi announcing a deal with this brand, millions with this brand, investing in pickleball. It's tough to be there like, oh my God, they're not doing well. We're sorry for them because it seems as far as, I think Naomi is still my biggest disappointment that the priorities aren't the same anymore. And I mean, she has a right not to love playing tennis and be done with it. She has a right with loving, we are writing children, children's book and, and all the business side. Of course, be a, be an entrepreneur. It's not a problem. But the thing is, then it has to, to be clearly said that I don't, I don't want to 
be a tennis player anymore and I do not care. It's also clear for the sponsors then. But the, it's selfish for us to say, but the potential is so massive. When you have somebody like Iga, imagine the rivalry and we need the rivalries. The issue with WTA right now is we don't have those rivalries at the top of the game. And if you add Naomi, Andreescu and Iga, you get it. Coco Golf, okay, we're good. So that's the selfish part of the media person be like, damn it, Naomi, you should be out there. But that's all right not to be. And that's all right to be disappointed. Yeah, I think Galvinia has been always like that. If you look at her career so far, she had one great year and then the other one she fall and then she comes back because she has nothing to defend anymore. And then she goes down again. It has always been like this. And, you know, I, when she beat Serena in that final from Garros, everyone was like, wow, she's the next massive, massive things. And then the next year, nothing. And then the year after she went Wimbledon, it's just always been like this. She has been struggling to sort of defend in a way because she's feeling she has to defend something. Which, um, you know, talking to Conchita about it, obviously she hasn't, she should have another approach, but it's easier to say than to be done. But I think she will come back next year for sure. She's too good of a player not to. And she, she loves to compete and she loves to play. She just has more sort of demons to, you know, I, I won the year's end championship. I want to start well. And then when she didn't start it well, then she started to go up the cliff. But I'm sure she will come back from Naomi. It's another story. She has so many things outside of the court. Um, it's, get, it's getting difficult for her. No one's mentioning Emma, Emma Raducanu. Interesting. <laughs> oh I, my God! I, just, I almost just forget about her. That's how how could I that's forget about her? her? That's for Great Britain. We're I would just quickly interject. <laughs> I, you know, we're all, I think we're probably all disappointed not to see her back it up, but it's not a surprise. Well, I was going to say, you know, disappointment, Simon, disappointment comes from expectation. Yeah. Did, did you really have high expectation or did you believe that 2021 was more of a one-off um, an exception rather than the rule. Well, I didn't necessarily believe it was an exception, but I believed that it was probably, you know, going to be a case of a difficult second season. And, you know, she's got to learn learn the ropes and she's doing that. Um, we'll we'll see what she's made of next year. You know, we'll, we'll know a lot more about her come the end of next year. All right, let's flip over now to the men's side for the year of 2022. Again, we're talking, um, who had the most disappointing year for you? And uh, Marian Bartoli, want to get us started? Again, that's a tough one to call, but I will go with uh, Uber Orkac. Uh, for me, when he beat Roger at Wimbledon uh, in 2021, making to the semi-final, okay, you're losing to Novak, but I mean, how many players has been able to beat Novak on grass? So that's not that really you can call it a big loss. Um, I was like, okay, you know, he won Miami. He's coming really big as has massive serve. Um, I can see him like challenging those top, top players. Grand Slam in Grand Slam and maybe not on clay, but the fast surfers, the US Open Wimbledon definitely and, and just again hasn't been there. Just the consistency hasn't been there as well. Um and it just you know almost felt like in a way a woman season. You know, you just can't come back with the pressure. It's hard for you to to count on your big weapons and and when you start to go on that fall, it's just really hard to back it up. And I thought with this game which is big serve, which is hard to break. He will be able to get that traction and get that momentum and get going, even though he had more pressure on the shoulders. Hasn't been there. Carol Bouchard, who had the most disappointing season on the men's side for the year 2022? Well, I have a weird peak there too. I'm going to get ripped, but uh, uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas. I know it's crazy because he's such a, a high-ranked player, but something is off and... 
And it's frustrating because in Grand Slams, he's not there and he's getting owned by the younger generation and he's going to pay for it in the big tournaments uh, the years to come. And, and there's something that's gone. The spark is gone from his game, but it's also gone from him outside. When you see him at press conferences, there's a negativity that wasn't there. There's something like, is there something that's missing? And you can see his feel his frustration about something and something needs to change. And I don't know why, but the scare I have is that it's, at some point the train is going to go without him. And he's so good. If You know what? Thomas Berdich never won a Grand Slam title being that good. And there's a way to miss that opportunity, even when you have, even you have crazy talent. And I look at Titi past season and I'm like, he's losing a step against the players he needs to keep a, a finger on. So as something is off, I don't know why. I don't know if it's from the entourage, the team, or or if his brain is still at the Roland Garros final he lost last year. But for me, he's starting to, to lose the train against the next generation. And that was not the plan, Stefanos. That was not the plan. Uh, again, disappointment is born of expectation. Okay. That's the thing. We expect so much from him because he's so good. Like, he yep. is so good. So I'm sorry that my, I'm taking a selfish, I'm being disappointed in you, Stephanos. Simon Cambers, I can't argue with either of those answers, but who do you have for the most disappointing year for you in 2022 on the men's side? For me, it's um, Denis Shapovalov. I, I, I mean, you, I think we know, everyone knows who, that I think he's potentially an absolute superstar in terms of pure talent. But he's just not putting it together consistently enough. And I know Canada went and won the Davis Cup at the end of the year. So, okay, that's great. <clears throat> but, you know, he, he got to two finals. He did very little else. He didn't do, he didn't back up his grand slams from the previous year when he did look like he was going to make that, that next breakthrough, next step up. And he just needs to find the right person to help him along. I, I, I feel it. It's, it's all there. The talent is there. Um, I just we just didn't see it this year, and for whatever reason, whether it's mental, I think it is more mental than anything else. He he needs somebody to to sort of click, you know, someone to find that little magic touch, the sort of thing that Lendl did for Murray, that kind of thing. He needs next year. All right, panel, let's move on now, and this is a little more predictive based on what you saw in 2022. Who officially put their respective tours on notice by letting them know I'm coming for the top? And let's begin on the men's side. Who on the men's side let the field know, get ready, 2023 is all about me. Carol Bouchard, you go first. Oh, Olga Runa. No, don't say it. It's my answer again. <laughs> me no. too. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, it's not only the game because honestly, he looked solid, but I never thought, oh, that guy is going to already be that good. And not only he's that good, but the attitude is in their faces. Like they cannot stand him because the kid is in front of them being like, you know what? You're going down. And he's beating them. And they're mad. Even Casper Rood, who is the calmest person on earth, he couldn't take it. So it's really not only the game that the attitude. We're like, okay, this kid is going to turn their life into hell. I love that. A Muratoglu Academy alum and also Patrick Muratoglu assisting with that team as Olga Roon had this run in the second half of or the, the uh, third uh, trimester, if you will, of this 2022 season. Marion Bartoli, you're disappointed again because Carol Bouchard's been reading your mail. <laughs> yes. She's literally... But in, I, I mean, it's I an expression we used to I use. I can't yeah. change my answer. I mean, he's the one. I, I don't think anyone can pick up another name. I think he's just the one. The way he just won Paris-Bercy, beating Novak in the final, he had to save match point against Stan. Um, I agree with Carol. I think 
I mean, a lot of players will dislike him, or let's say on the court we dislike him, maybe not off the court, but on the court we just not like this kind of attitude, but I don't think he cares. Uh, I love the story with his mom, you know, the fact that she has been there since the first time, and I love the story that he said the first time he won the runner-up trophy in a small event, he just trashed it because he just won the winner trophy. I just like the whole attitude, and I think... Um, like Simon said for, for Shapovalov, I think Patrick has been that just little ad that he needed. Um, Christensen is sort of his longtime coach that has been there since the beginning and has been you know, putting the whole foundation together. But Patrick was that person that just need to give a little push here and there, a little bit more tactics here and there, calming him as well a little bit sometimes during the match and just give that comfort look that he needs. Um, and I think all the stars align. Where will that 2023 go? I mean, it's hard to say because Novak is still going to be very much dominating, especially over five sets. But I think the kid has, you know, a lot inside him to take it a long way in 2023. Simon, Marianne says I, no one can think of anyone else. If you want to get technical <laughs> on words, you could say, well, there's a kid whose name begins with a C and his last name begins well, with an A. Uh, he's to the top. But there's other names to add. To let, I mean, some some players this year let the field know that next year, get out the way. Uh, Simon, aside from Ogarun. Well, I mean, I was going to say, if you're going to make it the question, who's told the tour it's going to be me next year, get out the way, then you've got to go back to Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, look what he did. Absolutely phenomenal year. He is just a frightening player to watch. He's got, and he's still got so much upside. That's what gets me. He, You know, he can get a lot better. And he's already playing unbelievable tennis on the biggest stages, holding his nerve, saving match points, doing everything. I think he's he's only going to get better. He's just got such a great setup with Juan Carlos Ferrero there around him. All that team who've been there for quite a long time. He's been having mental coaching since he was eight as part of a team. I mean, it's it seems to be you know unless he gets injured, he is going to be the man to beat. You know, in 2023, and a few of our questions to come, he's going to get involved in those too. I mean, go back to Holger Rune. I interviewed Rune at uh, Roland Garros last year, and his confidence is off off the charts. You know, for for an 18 year old as he was then, or 18, 19, he is just he believes he's going to be number one. He's been believing it ever since he played those kiddish tournaments when he was really young. And for, as far as he's concerned, nothing's going to stop him. And it, what makes me laugh is it's quite undanish. I think maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels. And Josh, don't take offence. If he's got a very American attitude to this, he's like, "Here I am. I'm it. I'm going to win this. Get out of the way. You know, don't care who you are." And, and it's working for him. So, you know, good luck to him. You know, if, if I were that good looking, I would probably be that confident yeah. too. He He's a super, I mean, he's a good looking kid. So he probably, you know, right. It helps. Um, let's uh, flip over now to the women's side. This one may not be as obvious, but um, who from the women's side let the tour know uh, next year? It's all about me. Carol Bouchard, want to get us started? Yeah, I hope I don't destroy your name, but Kin Wenzeng. Uh, the Chinese player who played the fourth round at Roland Garros against uh, Iga. She stopped 30 at 20. The game is just unreal. The potential is massive. The striking quality, everything. She's moving well. The athleticism is insane. I mean, if this kid isn't in the top 10 next year, really there's a problem on that tour because she is so good. She, she has the serve. She, she has this modern game on her baseline. And I mean, if she doesn't get injured against Iga, I think she's beating her. 
So and she has a great team apparently. I know a lot of coaches are looking at her and because they are looking at her because everybody's like, okay, is that the next big thing? A long way to go, but the potential is she's the one who gets me like, okay, we get we get somebody here. Simon Cambers on the WTA who put the field on notice next year. This is difficult because I could say Iga Shionte again and you know and just go on the number one and look what she's done and how dominant she's been. I actually think Jabeur is is going to be interesting next year because on Jabeur had a fantastic year with two Grand Slams and showed everyone that she could do it at the at slam level, um, which is great. But what I really liked about her is when she said, you know, I'm number two now. I am going for number one. There's a big gap, yeah, between her and Iga Shionte. But of course, Iga has a stack of points to defend first half next year and the US Open. So th- there's an opportunity for Jabeur. And I think, you know, what she's done for tennis in her part of the world and for Arab tennis is 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 absolutely fantastic. And if she can continue to have that sort of momentum, I think she's going to be pretty tough to stop next year. Marin Bartoli, women's tennis, who this year said next year, watch out field, I'm taking this over. I'm going to go with Caroline Garcia. I think the way she went from 70 in the world um, up until Roland Garros, she almost did nothing. You know, in Miami, she lost... I mean, she lost, I think, first or second round, something, had a foot injury, then didn't play on clay at all, arrived in Roland Garros with no preparation, just past the first round. And then the whole momentum started after winning the doubles with uh, Kristina Mladenovic. And then from there on, she just kept on winning and winning and winning on every surface. She beat Iga in Poland. Um, she went on to win Cincinnati, make the semifinal of the US Open and win the year's end championship. Of course, yes, she lost to Iga, but then she beat everyone else and then she didn't have to face her again. And just the way she's inside the court, putting so much pressure, her serves is massive. I just think on women's tennis, if you can serve that well, if you can hold your serve and then be inside the court and, you know, putting that much pressure, it's going to take, take a lot of stopping to stop her. Because, you know, when you, when you have so much confidence about your game and you just don't let the other one play because she just take the game out of your hands. You know, she just don't let you play. I think on the women's tour, the girls need a little bit more time to get settled and, and play their games from the back of the court. But when you're that disruptor and you come in and, and you swing big and you make, it's a little bit like, a, in a way, a mini Serena. You know, the way she was playing when she was dominating was that. She was just taking the match out of your hands and you had no say in the match, basically. It was just depending on her on that day, how much winner she can hit and how much enforced error she can hit. But if she was on the positive, she was, it was her match all day long. And that's how every time I felt against her when I was playing. And I think, you know, putting everything in proportion, of course, and in perspective, that's pretty much what Caroline have been, has been able to do against the rest of the field as are playing now on the WTA tour. And if she can keep that for next year, during a whole season, the number of points he has to defend, I mean, she can go all the way to the top. She has just stopped feeling guilty for the way she was playing. You know, people telling her, oh, you're taking too much risk. It's too risky. You can't play like this. I mean, Marion, you know something about that. She just stopped to say, she's like, you know what? I'm going to do me. And, you know, F it. And that that's working. I'm not sure what's more remarkable this episode as we wrap up the year. <laughs> the fact that Marion and Carol keep agreeing or that Simon thought... He- or that Simon thought he could offend me based on, uh, with his words, based on American attitude. Um, then again, w- w- you know, 
when, when I came up with the name for this show, Match Points, it's double entendre, right? It's Match Points, to win, but matching the point that you're making. So Carol and Marion, <laughs> I know they want to be debate show, but we're going to match our points here a little today. All right, we'll move a little, we'll move a little quick now. And, and this will be, obviously, the answer lends itself to moving a little quicker. But um, in 2022, what was the greatest match, according to you? And let's begin on the men's side. Simon Campbell's greatest match 2022 with men's tennis was? Probably the Sinner Alcaraz match at the US Open. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. The ten- I mean, it's a, it's an obvious choice, I think. It's the, the tennis was absolutely out of this world. And Alcaraz saving that match point. I think Sinner showed that he will be a massive player to watch next year if he stays fit. Um, but Alcaraz got it, got through it and then went on to win. That was amazing. But I, in terms of a match I really loved uh, and the way it unfolded was the Nadal-Djokovic match at Roland Garros because I thought Novak was going to win that match. I thought... I thought he was. I thought he had too much energy for Nadal. I thought Nadal was looking like he was going to be struggling. And then the way that Nadal turned it around in the third set and pulled away—that for me was an incredible, uh, singular performance. But I think in match terms, Sinner Alcaraz probably. Anyone have maybe Francis Tiafo, Carol Bouchard? No, I was on Sinner Alcaraz because finally this generation's baby gen. You know, they were taking showing they could take over. But there's another one. I like the Sinner Djokovic of Wimbledon at just quarterfinal, I think that was. Because it was people, maybe the changing of the guard and Novak is like, uh, 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 I'm still here. And he said, I think he said after that match, I need to win those matches because it proves to me that can, I can still be at the top despite this generation coming. And that's, the, that's his next two to three or four years coming. So it was a really good match and Sinner is keeping proving he's the man of big, big tournaments. But that match was no, just, no, again, Novak just closing the door on the next gen saying like, no, 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 you're going to wait again. I liked it. Well, for me, it was Sinner Alcaraz, hands, Sinner Alcaraz, sorry, hands down. Second best will be Alcaraz, Djokovic in Madrid. That was just insane. Level-wise, that was insane. But if I want to please you, Josh, I will go with uh, Tiafo and Adal at the US Open. Of course, that was the obvious. But for me, Level-wise, one, Sinara Karas, second, uh, Djokovic Karas, third, Tiafoe Nadal. And the good news is on a couple of those, we got a chance to see those two times, three times a year for the next 15 years. Fingers crossed. Possibly. I know expectations are different now. All right. Greatest match on the women's side, 2022. Marin Bartoli? Petra Gvitova against Garbini Muguruza at the US Open. Interesting. Okay. Carol Bouchard, same question. I will pick uh, Harmony Tan against Serena Williams at Wimbledon because it has everything. Oh, no! You can't say that. You can't say that was the best match of the year. Oh, my God. Netflix show all in insane. The drama, the drama, the late finish, Serena losing against Harmony Tan. He's like, what the hell have I done? Should I remind you that Harmony didn't win a match after that? And she's not even win a match. This match is in my brain. WTA 125. I was there. And it was surreal. I was pinching myself. What? What is going on? And it was full. So I, I'm sorry. I know it's a weird pick, but um, I said what I said. <laughs> All right. Uh, Simon Cambers, greatest match 2022 on the women's side. Carol, I think Harmony Tan's a good call. That was, in terms of drama, that was the, the, the best match. Drama. But I, I think um, maybe maybe Serena's match with Contabetta at the US Open. Um, again, again, for drama, you know, I don't think... We, I don't think any of us knew whether Serena was capable of playing at that level, even, you know, for one match, but she managed it. Um, 
under you know with with the help of an incredible crowd on her side but Contivet absolutely froze uh, on the occasion but Serena proved yet again that she can still produce it sometimes when she needs it all right let's move on now um this is a pretty simple question you can use either men's side or women's side which major champion of 2022 is most likely to repeat next year and which is least likely to repeat next year Sammy Cambers, get us started. Uh, I'll give you Novak at Wimbledon. Um, I was at Wimbledon the other day and thinking, walking past one of the statues and thinking about Federer, Roger Federer having won eight and will they put a statue up for him? And then I thought, hang on a minute, if Novak wins next year, he's won eight as well. You know, what do they do? A joint statue or no statue? Probably no statue. But um, I, I think Novak on grass still is is probably the best, you know, obviously Nadal at the French Open, it could be him, but he's going to have to compete with Alcaraz and Novak and several others. I, I think Novak at Wimbledon is the most likely. All right, and least? Least likely Ribakina winning Wimbledon again. Fair enough. Claire Bouchard, same question. Most likely to repeat Igas Fiontek. I mean, I'm taking an easy, an easy bet here. Uh, which one? Okay. I don't know. Iga at Amkle seems so obvious. So I'd go, I'd go with Iga. Um Least likely, of course. I was I was thinking Rybakina, and suddenly I'm think I'm I'm going wrong, and I'm going to say Rafa at Roland Garros. But just the fact of saying it seems like the it's a sin. You should you shouldn't even allowed to sing these kind of things. I cannot say it's so a Rybakina at Wimbledon. Marion Bartoli, most likely and least likely to repeat next year. Most likely Novak at Wimbledon, and I'm quite sure he will win the Australian Open again next year, oh, just because he's going to be so eager for it. And least likely it's so easy. Ash Barty, just because he doesn't play anymore. I mean, it's just, it's just, it doesn't count. It's just easy. Yes, it does. All, all right, team. Um, this one is obviously very subjective. But for you, what was the single greatest moment in tennis in the year 2022? Which was the single greatest moment for you? Marion Bartoli, you want to get us started here? I would go with... Yeah, I will go with Serena's first match on night at, on Ash with the whole crown wearing their signs, getting her daughter and her whole family. Um, Stacey Alistair, I know forever. She's, well, she was the CEO of the WTA before and just, you know, going through the emotion. Yeah, it was just incredible for me. That was the most touching. Carol, that was her answer. Carol's <laughs> upset by this. Carol, you've been stealing answers all day. You have Again. no grounds to be upset. Is I that- was going to say, Ziff, you are Ziff, Marion. But I started it. No, I was thinking to Serena walking to that court the first, the first night session with the, the diamond looking kind of, kind of dress. And oh, so that was just, you know, only Serena can get those entrants and make it legit. Anybody else were like, come on, what are you doing? But for her, it's like, okay, Queen Serena, that works. And that defines her and the US Open and her entire career in like 10 seconds, her walking into that dress and like, okay, that's Serena. Simon, so, sorry, Simon, greatest moment in 2022 in all of tennis was which? I think the greatest moment maybe was, uh, and it was half a second, if if that, was uh, Federer and Nadal oh, yeah. holding hands at the Labour Cup. Um, and it's and maybe it's the best best photo. I think it's probably the best sporting photo of the year. Ella Ling took it. And I, I spoke to Ella um, a little bit after that for um, the Roger Federer effect, the book that I wrote with Simon Graf. And he, uh, she, she said, you know, she missed uh, Roger put his hand on uh, Rafa's thigh. She missed that one. But she just happened to click at the right time. And it was probably half a second. 
where they held hands, <laughs> both crying their eyes out. Amazing moment. Uh, I, I just, yeah, that, that'll stick in the memory. Yeah, we talk a lot about uh, body language, nonverbals. No one needs any study to know exactly what that moment meant to both and to all who loved their careers in the game of tennis. Okay, uh, finish this sentence for me. And since you said Roger Federer, I'll let you finish the thought on Roger Federer. However you so choose, the sentence is yours. Roger Federer's farewell, uh, London farewell. Roger Federer's farewell in London was blank. His farewell in London was... So emotional and I cried like a baby. But why in the world... Frances Tiafoy, and I think it was, who played with him? Jack Sock or something. You, yes, Jack Sock. You have much point against you. For the last match of Roger, in a fiscal carrier, you're in a super tie break. Why in the world you want to win that match? I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Please explain me on an exhibition. Please, it's not like an official match or anything. Let Roger win that one. Let him finish on a nace or a serve reader or let him in an in a nice way or something. And we all cried once because we were so disappointed that Rafa and Roger lost together. Then it was the last match of Roger. Then he hugged his wife. I was crying so much with, you know, his child coming on the court. And I was like, why did I win this one? Why did I win? I was crying. I was like, oh my God. It was, it was so sad and emotional. Carol Bouchard, Carol Bouchard, same question. Roger Federer's farewell in London was blank was too early. I'm, I'm taking a selfie here. It, mm. I, it was beautiful, but somehow, I don't know why, it kind of breaks my heart a little that he had to retire at the Labour Cup and not, I don't know, a Wimbledon. Or, you know, a he can't play anymore, Carol. His knee is like awful. He can't play a singles. He had no choice, I know, but somehow I'm like, oh, that's I remember he told me once, I don't have a fairy tale ending in mind. So that's fine. So he wasn't disappointed. But that's me as as a follower. I'm like, God, he, should, he would have deserved a better way out. But it was beautiful. Just as for me, it wasn't, it was too early. It wasn't the ideal moment. But you can't have ideal. You can't, not everybody is going to be Pete Sampras and exiting on a Grand Slam title. We saw it with Serena. But Roger Federer, Labour Cup, uh, voilà. that's just, just my point. Not all, not all amazing stories have happy endings, and that was proof. Simon Cambers, Roger Federer's farewell in London was blank. Sad but great. I, I think he couldn't have asked for a better send-off with Nadal there, with Murray there, with Djokovic there. I loved all the sort of coaching that they did all week. Um, you know, of course, it was sad seeing him in tears, his whole family there, but I think it was the perfect send-off for him with all his friends and family uh, gutted that he can't carry on playing. I wanted him to play one more Wimbledon to see if he could, you know, do something. But you can tell his knee is not really up to it. Um, so yeah, perfect send off. All right, team. Final question. Final episode of the year, and another final, if you will, finale. Perhaps is a better way to say it. Serena Williams' farewell to tennis at the U.S. Open for you was what? Fill in the blank on this. Serena Williams' farewell at the U.S. Open, was blank. Carol? A Hollywood movie to be made. 
I mean, it was so Hollywood or Netflix or Amazon. Everything was thought for the show and it was fantastic. People were having a blast. Every star in the world was there and she, she and she did, as usual, Serena, she delivered because I was like, oh my God, if she plays like she was playing a few weeks ago, it's, it's going to be a disaster. And she came back to life. You know, that's only in a movie in Hollywood you would see somebody coming from, I cannot play good tennis to, oh my God, maybe she's going to go all the way again. So for me, it was really it was perfectly serena in a very hollywood way i loved it well said marion bartoli serena williams farewell was was like a queen um exactly like what carol said but actually when she beat um annette i was like hang on a second i think she can win this you know what i mean alia tomeyovich next round of course great player but she can she can do it and then the rest of the field it's not like someone especially the us open with that much of noise that much of momentum for serena that much of huge stars coming in to cheer on for her. I think the other ones can definitely feel the pressure. And and I thought for a speed of a second, she might have actually the perfect fairy tale ending, winning the US Open for the last one. Unfortunately, Hala played a little bit too good on that day, but very much Serena and very much like a queen, absolutely. Simon, same question. Serena's farewell in New York was- Crazy, like Serena's career. It was it was mad, the atmosphere on, that, on Arthur Ashe those nights. Um, only Serena over the last 25 years has had that kind of adulation um, on court. She she played great. I mean, I, having watched her against Harmony Tan, I, I feared the worst when she turned up for the US Open, but she really turned it on again. And I, I think, I, I'm sure like part of her is itching to play again, you know, was itching to play again and give it another try. But she's got to realise that there, she'll probably not get a chance to go out on that kind of that kind of emotional high ever again. And I also thought for a second, wow, you know, she could, she could do something here. Um, Tom Janovic in the end played a, played a great match, but um, yeah, a really apt farewell for an incredible career. It, it is very rare that tennis, men's or women's, becomes the epicenter, not just of sport, but entertainment and all news. And for that final run of Serena, it seemed as though that was the global story, beyond all things sports, beyond all things tennis. Um, team, happy holidays to all of you and to yours. And to everyone out there, thank you for being with us. Make sure you listen to the audio-only podcast. Subscribe to the formats as well on social media and follow. On behalf of our panel, Josh Cohen saying thanks for listening and watching, of course, Match Points here on TennisMajors.com. And we look forward to seeing you in 2023. Happy New Year, everyone.